0: Hi, I'm Leslie Moody, host of The Set Apart Podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today, I'd like to continue with the new series on personal life lessons. So if you didn't catch the first episode in the series, I talked about key spiritual truths that I learned through some unusual circumstances that I faced my first year of marriage. So you can go back and listen to that as you have time. This week, I'd like to talk about some important things that God taught me during the early years of ministry. And Before we jump in, I wanted to remind you that it's not too late to grab one of the last few spots in our fall five-week discipleship training program here in Colorado. If you are looking for a season to come away from just the distractions and noise of your everyday life, sit at the feet of Jesus, become grounded in truth, connect with other like-minded believers from all around the world, consider joining us this August through September. It's a five-week program that is truly life-changing. If you can't join us this fall, we also have our 2023 three programs open, so you can join us either for a five-week program or a week-long program next year. Just click the link in this podcast description to learn more. I'd love to see you in Colorado and invest into your spiritual life. Let's go into part two of personal life lessons, and the key truth that I learned early in ministry was the importance of having spiritual discernment. That was not something I was very strong in, even though I had grown up in a solid Christian home and I had... You know, very good head on my shoulders as far as common sense and just understanding what the Bible said, I wasn't really prepared for the compromise that I began to see within the church. As Eric and I said yes to the call of God to speak and share our story and challenge our generation to surrender everything to Christ, we were being invited to churches and conferences and youth groups and colleges, and we were really getting an up-close view on the Christian world and the church world of today. And it was very disillusioning. When I had first really kind of stepped into that calling of, okay, we're going to be traveling, we're going to be in all these different churches and all these Christian environments, we're going to be connecting with all these other Christian leaders, I had a lot of romantic ideas of what that might look like. I thought it would just be so encouraging, so uplifting, and we would just be able to be surrounded by Christians who were just really solid. And unfortunately, as we got into touring and traveling around the country and the world and just saw up close and personal where the church is really at, it was very disillusioning. A lot of times we would see pastors and leaders say one thing from the stage and live something completely differently behind the scenes. And it was really, really difficult for me to swallow the fact that the church today was really steeped in compromise and mediocrity. And a lot of times truth was not the foundation of how Christians were living or what was being spoken or sung in the songs. And that, it took me a while to really understand, okay, something's wrong here. I knew something was wrong in everything that I was seeing, but I couldn't quite put my finger on exactly what it was. Early in my Christian walk, before Eric and I got into full-time ministry, I used to think that every Christian book, every Christian message, every Christian song had somehow been spiritually tested by this committee of trusted, honorable, and godly Christian elders. I don't know why I thought that, but it just seemed reasonable because one thing that I had always observed was the fact that a lot of pastors were looking to the latest Christian books to shape the direction of their churches. And a lot of times worship leaders and music leaders were just following the latest trends of the Christian artists to shape their church's worship service. And so I think in the back of my mind, it just seemed reasonable that the messages that were so influential in molding the church would first have gone through some kind of vetting and evaluation process to make sure they were really in alignment with God's truth. And it really wasn't until Eric and I stepped into ministry Full time and became closely involved with pastors, with leaders, with the Christian publishing industry, with the Christian music industry, that I began to realize how far from reality that assumption was. And God began to teach me the art of spiritual discernment. And it was not an easy road. I remember as a young Christian in full-time ministry sitting across the table with the president of one of the largest Christian publishing companies, and he bluntly told us that Christian publishing was an industry, not a ministry. He told us that making money, not proclaiming the gospel, was the ultimate goal of most Christian publishers. And that was hard to swallow because here are all these Christian books hitting the market and all of these churches just kind of taking those messages in and all of these pastors even preaching messages on them. And yet, here was the leader of the industry, one of the leaders of the industry saying, you know, it's really just about money. It's not about ministry. Another time, I remember being at a large Christian festival where a lot of well-known Christian artists were performing. Eric and I were speaking there. And I remember being backstage and meeting the CEO of a well-known Christian record label. And he told us very plainly that most of the new artists that the Christian industry signed, were just young kids who didn't really care much about God. They just wanted to be famous. They just wanted to be on stage. And he said, you know, it's really kind of sad, but in the end, we're about making money. So we end up just signing them, even if they're not spiritually ready to be in that position. So that was very eye-opening as well when it comes to the Christian music industry and oftentimes the artists who are performing or writing those songs aren't necessarily in a place of spiritual strength and yet a lot of those songs are shaping our Christian worship services today and the kind of music we listen to all the time as Christians. I remember going to a large convention where all of the newest Christian books, Christian albums, Christian material was being put on display. It was an enormous convention hall. And they don't really have these anymore. This was when Eric and I were first starting in ministry. So many things are digital and online, but this was back in the time when everything was pretty much sold through Christian bookstores. And so they would have these huge conventions where bookstore owners would go to kind of make their selections of what they wanted to carry in their store. But as I walked, through miles and miles and miles of Christian merchandise, it felt like every single person there was just hawking their wares. They were trying to outsell the other person. It was just this big competition to see who could make the biggest splash, be the most popular, make the most money. The only thing that was going through my head at the time was Jesus overturning the money changers tables in the temple. It just, it was so sad to think that this truth of God was being marketed and promoted simply for the purpose of making money and making sales. Now, at the same time that Eric and I were becoming exposed to all of these things in the Christian world, we were also speaking in churches around the country and realizing that a lot of pastors... Worship leaders and just other Christian influencers were basically building their messages around whatever was trendy and popular and it was shaping the church itself. But often we started to see that that material they were using was coming from a money hungry industry instead of believers who were surrendered to the spirit of God. And what we have learned since that time is that this widespread mindset in the Christian industry, and it really is sadly oftentimes an industry, not a ministry, it's provided an in inroads for a lot of flawed messages to enter the church and influence Christian thinking. And early in ministry, I was so flustered by the fact that I would hear erroneous messages coming through these books and even in pastors sermons. And I would think, okay, this doesn't really line up with the word of God. Oftentimes, something would feel off about it, but I couldn't even really put my finger on what it was. But a lot of times it was because whatever they were basing it on was coming out of an industry that was far more focused on money and popularity than on truth a lot of fame and money driven artists and authors have wreaked havoc upon the hearts of unsuspecting believers who assume that their messages must be healthy because they bear a christian label and that was definitely the trap that i was in until god began to awaken me to the fact that i needed to have clear spiritual discernment and today we have the added struggle of the internet because that's a platform where you can make yourself famous if you know how to wield it a lot of times if an author or an artist wants to get something out there, you don't really need much knowledge of scripture or a proven godly character to to influence modern Christianity. If you have talent and likability and marketing skills and a strong social media platform, you can become the next big thing to hit the Christian world. And that's kind of dangerous when you consider how much influence people can have in the Christian world without really having that rock solid spiritual foundation. Now that doesn't mean that every message that's out there doesn't have a good foundation or that anyone who has a large platform online is is in error. However, we have to tread very carefully in such a time as this. Even today, I often receive a lot of communication from Christian publishers or agents who are promoting a new book or a new message from an up-and-coming new author. I remember a number of years ago getting a letter in the mail about a new author and her new book. It didn't say anything about her walk with God or her spiritual background. It really mainly just talked about how many followers she had on Instagram or how many likes she had on Facebook, it's almost like her credibility as a minister of truth came solely from the fact that she had gained popularity online. And that's just sadly where things are at often today. It's really no wonder that there's so much confusion in Christianity because we live in a day and age, as it says in Isaiah 59, where righteousness stands at a distance, truth has stumbled in the streets and honesty cannot enter. Truth-centered, Christ-focused, biblically sound believers sadly are not necessarily commonplace. A lot of times in a lot of churches, they have become the exception. I remember a moment when Eric and I were first on tour as a young couple. We had been in so many different churches, and I was becoming more and more disillusioned by what I was seeing behind the scenes. But we were staying with a pastor and his family, and what I saw from him was such incredible hypocrisy. What he preached from the the stage and how he acted in front of the church was very different than his home environment and how he behaved behind the scenes. There was obviously a lot of hypocrisy, a lot of compromise in his life. And I remember just sitting in the guest bedroom at his house just saying, you know, if I didn't know for myself that there was more to Christianity than this, I would be walking away right now. It was just a really dark moment to realize, you know, this this is a Christian leader. And I'm seeing this over and over and over again in the church. And I was so thankful that I had my own thriving relationship with Christ because I I knew there was more to Christianity than what I was seeing all around me. But it really, really shook me. As Eric and I began to awaken to the state of the church, we knew that we had to grapple with what our response should be. And there are two things that I want to share with you in this episode that were so important to me in those early years, and it took me multiple years to really grasp these truths. But I hope that you will not have to learn them the hard way like I did. One of the blessings of walking through that season where we were being surrounded by so much compromise and so much confusion is that it forced us to go to the word of God and to make the word of God our foundation instead of leaning on the opinions and thoughts of other people. And that is what I found absolutely critical. It took me a while to recognize how important the word of God is. It cannot just be a casual companion. It has to be our lifeline, especially in such a time as this. And this is a key life lesson that I learned in those years of my life. And I want to pass along to any believer living in such a time as this. When we are ignorant of the word of God, when we kind of put it on the back burner, when we don't really value it, we are very prone to being tossed about with everything. Every wind and wave of doctrine that swirls around us, as it says in Ephesians 4.14. But when God's word is our lamp and our light, we will be so much quicker to recognize and renounce ideas that do not align with his pattern, with his truth. When I was in those early years of ministry, I found myself getting pulled into subtle deception from time to time, teaching that was a little bit off or people's ideas that were just not quite in alignment with truth. And that was happening because I wasn't making the word of God my lifeline. And I was like, well, something sounds weird about this, but I don't really know how it lines up with the word of God. It was only when I actually made the word of God my lifeline. I began searching his word every day for truth as for hidden treasure. I began to build my life around seeking him through his word. I began to listen to audio scripture all throughout the day and go deeper and deeper into Bible study. And that's when I began to grow in spiritual discernment. And it took, like I said, several years, but I began to get to the point where the word of God became my rock. And pretty soon when I heard erroneous notions or ideas, I was a lot more quick to recognize them rather than be deceived by them because that solid rock of truth was was under my feet. If you are looking for a practical way to grow in discernment when it comes to what Christian messages are truly in alignment with truth and what aren't, I encourage you to go after truth in the word of God. Set aside time every day, not just for casually reading your Bible, but proactively studying the scriptures and letting his truth shape your thoughts and your beliefs. If you come to a phrase or a word or a verse that you don't understand, go deeper. There are some great study tools out there. There are concordances. There's some websites like blueletterbible.org and some others, and they can really help you unearth the true meaning of those words and those phrases that you are reading and help you see the context in which they were written. And definitely stick with the solid classic Bible tools that are out there rather than just a whole bunch of new trendy things that don't really use that biblical way of unpacking truth. Take time to memorize scripture and meditate upon scriptures often. Even if you struggle with memorizing large portions of scripture, even just very short verses that have that poignant truth that you can bring to your mind throughout the day, it can be so critical when you're in that moment of trying to discern truth. Or you can play audio scripture. I love Word of Promise. There's some other great ones, but play those things in the background, God's Word in the background as you are driving or doing chores around the house, whenever you have that opportunity immerse yourself in God's word as often as you possibly can. And then whenever new thoughts or messages or ideas are presented to you, whether that's through a book or a blog or a song or even a sermon, learn to weigh those things against the word of God that you have hidden in your heart. Don't just nod along with other Christians' ideas, but stop and ask yourself some key questions. Does this message agree with the truth of scripture, not just on some points, but in its entirety? Do these thoughts and ideas, align with God's nature and his character, because sometimes you'll find that maybe the person who is delivering a message is speaking right things, but in the wrong way. It's not being delivered or communicated in a way that truly exemplifies God's nature. So for example, if somebody is speaking truth, but they're doing it in a very harsh and judgmental and legalistic way, they might be saying the right things, but they're not really promoting truth because they've left out the nature and the character of God in their delivery. And if you're not sure when you're when you're encountering a new message, take time to seek in answers in the word of God because he has promised that those who diligently seek his wisdom will find it and that is such a joy he's not trying to withhold his wisdom from from us he delights to give us his wisdom when we ask him for it the next key lesson that i learned about discernment in those early days of ministry as my eyes were becoming open to compromise within the church, is that I could either respond to the compromise in a Christ-like way or a fleshly, selfish way. Because lots of times when we, as, especially as young believers, begin to see compromise and mediocrity around us, it's really easy to rise up in our own fleshly anger and frustration and think that we're walking in righteousness because we're standing for truth. Standing for truth is very important, but we have to stand for truth in a Christ-like way. Oswald Chambers once said that God doesn't give us discernment so that we can criticize, but so that we can intercede. And I thought that was extremely convicting when I first read it, because lots of times we feel justified in criticizing others when we discern that something is off in their lives. But Oswald Chambers saying the first thing we're called to do as believers is intercede for them. And God may call us to speak bluntly to them, but only after we have taken that before God and we have interceded and we have laid that request before him and said, Lord, change that person's heart, open that person's eyes, and be led by the Spirit if you're meant to speak, because it's really easy to rush ahead of God and speak out of the the flesh, and that doesn't accomplish anything. As we've said on other episodes before, the, the anger of man, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God, as it says in James. We had some friends in those early years of ministry who saw the same things that we saw in the church, and we connected with them because they were very good at calling out sin within the church and compromise within the church. A lot of times they would be able to articulate compromise that we hadn't been able to put our finger on, but we did notice that they were also very demeaning towards other Christians who didn't quite have that same discernment. And for a while, we were in friendships with Christians who really said all the right things and seemed to have amazing discernment. But we started to get some warning signs in these friendships because their attitude toward other Christians, instead of being genuine love and concern, became haughty and critical and harsh. And so we began to recognize, well, they might be seeing clearly on the doctrinal issues here, but they're certainly not seeing clearly as far as God's heart for those people who are are blinded. And so we had to pull back from some of those friendships because we recognized we didn't want to fall into that same trap of being harsh and judgmental. We wanted to be Christ-like towards those who didn't see clearly on these key truths. As Christians, when we're going after discernment, it can quickly shape us into a haughty, demeaning person towards others if we're not being guarded against that fleshly anger and pride that tries to creep in. Because no matter how doctrinally sound or intellectually brilliant an idea may be, If it's not marked by God's nature, if it's marked by arrogance and self-seeking, God's word says that that's not coming from him. In James 3, it says this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual and demonic for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. So there is a false wisdom that we can fall into and we might say and believe the right things, but not truly be walking in the nature of Christ. So as you seek to grow in godly discernment, I would challenge you to be wary of clustering with believers who are maybe impressive in doctrine, but deficient in gentleness and love. Their arguments might be compelling, but if they are characterized by an ungracious attitude toward others, they are not actually operating in cooperation with the spirit of God. It's important that we don't confuse discernment with a critical spirit. Discernment and being critical towards others are two very different things. So ask God to infuse you with his heart, his love, his burden for those who are lost, who are blinded to truth, who are, who are compromising. Unless you operate in his attitude of love and grace, your zeal and your passion for truth will be rendered completely ineffective. And another encouragement I will give you along these lines is that we have found even in those early years of ministry, when we felt so alone and so isolated, there is always a remnant in the body of Christ who really passionately wants to go after Jesus Christ, who wants to passionately pursue truth. And even though you may be surrounded today by compromise within the body of Christ, in every group of believers, there are those who are really passionate about Jesus and desires to build their lives around him. So So ask God to show you who those people are, even if you feel like you're surrounded by a lot of people who are steeped in mediocrity. Eric and I have been amazed at some of the most compromising types of churches we've visited, how God has surfaced some amazing believers who are truly ready to radically go after Jesus. And at Ellerslie, over the past 12 or 13 years, God has been bringing us men and women from all around the world who are truly like-minded and passionate about truth, and it reminds us continually that this remnant truly exists. So discernment within the church today, this was something that was very hard for me to learn as a young Christian to really open my eyes to see the fact that the church in general was not in a healthy place and then to understand what my response as a Christian was supposed to be. I was not supposed to become frustrated and jaded and harsh and critical towards the church but truly go after them in prayer and allow God to shape me into a tool of encouragement and truth and to do so in a loving and gracious and Christ-like way. And that's something that God is continually doing in my life. It's not that I feel I've arrived at that place, but it's something that he started early on in ministry. And if you are feeling the need for more discernment in your life, it can feel like a daunting task. But I want to leave you with two really quick and important thoughts. First, it's so critical to rely on the grace of God. Don't try to grow in discernment by looking to your own efforts or common sense or willpower. Remember, go to the word of God and ask him to equip you with the supernatural strength and wisdom you need to navigate these murky waters of modern Christianity because he can remove all that fog of confusion and grant you a clear understanding with his truth. All you must do is ask. And secondly, remember that Christianity in a nutshell is all about Jesus. You might not be right out of seminary. You might not have every hermeneutic tool mastered or every doctrinal notion refined or every theological argument perfectly polished. You might not even know what some of those words mean, but set your gaze on Jesus Christ and he will direct your steps. It boils down to this. Reject messages that lead you away from him and embrace those that lead you into a fuller surrender to him. James one twenty four gives us such an important promise. It says now to him, meaning Jesus, who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. So think about that. He is able to keep you from stumbling. It is Christ alone who can keep us from stumbling. So what we need to do is offer ourselves fully to him, holding nothing back and ask him to shape us into his light that will shine in the midst of a perverse and crooked generation. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. For more resources on spiritual discernment and building a Christ-centered life, I encourage you to visit our website at setapartgirl.com and see the many resources that we have for you there. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.